0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, December 14th. I'm Gavin McGough.
1: And I'm Julia Caulfield.
0: In today's headlines, public health flags COVID spike.
1: Telluride looks to bring equity and inclusion to boards and commissions.
0: Town Council discusses problematic deed restrictions.
1: And a mountain weather forecast. But first, a correction. In a story reported on Wednesday, KOTO misstated Carol Friedrich's tenure as the Human Services Director for Ure and San Miguel Counties. While Friedrich has worked in the region for 27 years, she has been director for only nine, following Alan Gerstel's retirement from the position.
0: Have you got the sniffles? A cough you can't shake? You're not the only one.
2: Anecdotally, I feel like there's a lot of folks that are getting sick with everything, right? Mm -hmm. We had our first RSV outbreak in a child care, which is normal for this time of the year. uh, And COVID cases are on the rise. So I just wanted to call that out in a public forum.
0: That's Public Health Director Grace Franklin talking this week with the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners. The anecdotal news of sickness on the rise is backed up by the actual data. Franklin reports the most recent wastewater collected in the town of Telluride shows that COVID is most definitely on the rise. It's hard to tell how this holiday season's COVID bump will compare to last year's
2: because our November numbers were on par, pretty much exactly the same rates. Um, and we only have one sample um, data point right now for December, but it's uh, it's nationally, I think it's going up. Um, I would say if there was a significant mutation like Omicron in 2021, that's where we'd see like a mega one.
0: Franklin adds even more than last year, folks have let down their guard.
2: But I do think from a behavior change standpoint, folks have at across the board, including myself, right, are much more social. Um might write off different symptoms especially if they're mild and so really um, I think it's more there's more likely spread because caution is decreased.
0: Make sure your test kits are not expired as many from the earliest phase of the pandemic will begin to degrade losing effectiveness. In addition vaccines are offered at the public health offices in the Miramonte building in Telluride a one-stop shop for your immunization needs Franklin says.
2: Blue COVID. We have clinics every week. Um, We also have the RSV vaccine for individuals 60 plus. The issue with that is there's still some insurance things that aren't going through. So it's $300 out of pocket.
0: Flu and COVID vaccines are, however, free. The county commissioners also took the opportunity of Franklin's visit to sign a letter urging Governor Jared Polis to continue providing funding for public health infrastructure to Colorado counties. Over the last few years, COVID funds had, says Franklin,
2: been earmarked for public health infrastructure and really focusing on rebuilding staff, creating sustainability and updating infrastructure as a whole. We all have seen our public health clinic. Um, We definitely do a lot of great work there, but um, we've expanded a lot over the last couple of years um, thanks to funding. Um, from the state.
0: With those funds expiring, Franklin and commissioners hope to see Polis recommit and renew the funds moving forward. To make a vaccine appointment, visit bit.ly smc vaccines.
1: The town of Telluride is looking to change eligibility and makeup of its boards and commissions.
3: As the town develops um, our JEDI action plan, we're trying to look at ways where we can expand eligibility for our boards and commissions, trying to make a more diverse group that sits on our commissions. And so we've staff has been trying to think of ways that we could do that. Each board or commission has different eligibility requirements. They have different composition requirements. And so um, we kind of looked at them all as a whole and tried to figure out methods to expand that eligibility. That's Telluride Town Clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh presenting
1: at a town council meeting this week. JEDI is justice, equity, diversity and inclusion. Telluride has a number of boards and commissions that help make decisions in the town, the Commission for Community Arts and Special Events, Parks and Recreation, Historic and Architectural Review Commission, Ecology Commission, to name a few. With the goal of bringing more equity and diversity to those boards, Kavanaugh lays out several options. The recommendation is to remove town council as voting members. By eliminating council members as voting members, they will still remain as liaisons to the boards. Here's Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson.
4: I think it's really valuable um, for you to I- express um, issues that you're hearing from the community and some of these commission members or commission meetings. Um, raise a red flag when you know something might be going in, in a direction that just doesn't um, fit, for example, within uh, adopted council budgets, uh, things along those lines, or what you're hearing loudly from the community that maybe. Uh, around a particular issue that uh, the rest of the commission might not be. I mean, I think there's, again, you are the, you are the face and uh, ears and eyes of the community in many ways.
1: Staff also recommends removing designated seats, specifically saved for a professional in a certain field or a county
3: member, and making them available for community members at large. The telluride Arts Executive Director is called out to serve on the Public Art Commission. There have been other art organizations that may be interested to serve. And so changing those positions into public at large to try to expand that. In general, staff recommends
1: reducing the number of members to serve on boards and commissions based off of what staff determines as necessary. In addition, a board or commission member will be automatically removed from their seat if they miss more than five meetings per year. Bigger shifts include changing who is qualified to sit on a board in the first place. For one, removing the requirement that someone must be a qualified elector, in other words,
3: a voter, in Telluride to serve on a board or commission. The suggestion here is instead of requiring that these board and commission members are qualified electors, that we amend that so that it's just a town residency requirement. So you live in the town of Telluride. And perhaps you lived in the Arwen School District for six months before applying, because there are a lot of people in this community that are not eligible to be a qualified elector, but have lived in the community and been a participating member for many years. But because they are not a permanent resident, they cannot vote in the town of Telluride or register to vote. Council did not make
1: a final decision on whether someone should live in San Miguel County or the Telluride-Arwen School District for six months prior to being eligible for a board or commission. While town council was unanimous in their support for those changes, the largest conversation surrounded adding term limits to boards and commissions. A term limit would likely be eight to ten years, and a commissioner would only need to take off one term before applying to serve again. Mayor Teddy Errico isn't sold on the idea.
5: My goal is that the eligibility requirements and opening those up, you know, kind of organically solves the term limit issue.
1: Council members Mian Fee and Ashley von Sprecken are in favor of term limits, but want to exempt planning and zoning and HARC, noting there are certain education or training requirements for those boards. Here's von Sprecken.
6: Our community is very small and we have an even smaller pool of people who are professionals in these areas. And, you know, I don't want us to get into a situation where, you know, by our term limits that we are, we've run out of interested parties and that we're in a worse situation than we are today.
1: Council member Geneva Seanette wants to see term limits on all boards and commissions.
7: Government should be constantly rotating and it's going to be the best way to get Millennials and Gen Z members of our community involved if they know that there's an opportunity that's not going to be a popularity contest or a um, a seniority contest.
1: Council members Ellen Eleven and Dan Enright started the discussion with mixed feelings, citing the importance of institutional knowledge but also wanting to take steps towards more equity. By the end of the conversation, they both shifted their thoughts. Here's Enright.
4: We aren't seeing diversity and inclusiveness on our boards and commissions. And the definition of insanity is to keep trying the th- same thing again and again and expect something different. So, if my, I have a great prioritization of diversity and inclusion and equity. And so, I think we have to be willing to try something new. And there's nothing to say that we can't. If we see it doesn't work, we tried something, then we shift again, and we keep being a, a nimble and and uh, versatile. Governing body.
1: In the end, Council was supportive of implementing term limits to boards and commissions, but tied on whether PNZ and HARC should be included. Town Council will discuss and vote on the changes to boards and commissions at its meeting on January 9th. What role does the Town of Telluride have when deed restricted affordable housing units stop being as affordable? That was the topic of conversation at Town Council this week. The discussion came out of a work session to consider the town purchasing a deed-restricted mitigation unit. Here's Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson.
4: From time to time, we, we do have an owner looking to sell um, who specifically asks that the uh, Town of Telluride uh, consider purchasing So uh, we may turn around directly and sell to a town employee.
1: With this unit, that's not exactly the case. The unit in question is one of several deed-restricted units in Telluride not constructed by the town and in turn subject to things like HOA dues in the building. Tracy Caswell is the executor on the sale, standing in for her brother who owns the unit. She says with the dues and special assessments, the unit isn't affordable for most members of the
3: community. When Ross bought this unit, the HOA monthly fees were approximately $214. They are now, and I wrote a check for the most recent one, I think it was around $580. In addition, in the summer, there was a, um, a special assessment in the amount of $20,000, just short of that. Last year, there was another assessment over $5,000.
1: She says her brother would rather the town remove the deed restriction on the unit, sell it at a full price, and use the money from the sale to support other residents in deed-restricted units. Caswell and her brother can't control what the town does with the unit if it goes through with the purchase, but it raises the question of what Telluride should do if residents are getting priced out of quote-unquote problematic deed-restricted units. Here's San Miguel Regional Housing Authority Manager Courtney McAllenay. We do have a policy with the town that they can apply for a loan, but that's just for special assessments. It does not cover HOA dues. And so we have um, experience increasing public feedback that these are getting to be um, very unaffordable units for the owners. McKellany doesn't have an exact number, but estimates there are roughly a dozen similar units in Telluride. Mayor Teddy Eriko adds the challenges with fees on the units are likely to increase.
5: All owners, free market and deed restricted, are in the process year in and year out of getting absolutely slaughtered alone by insurance and specifically fire catastrophe insurance. And so we've got to figure out a way, especially, you know, for the deed restricted owners that are on, you know, far more limited funds of how we can help them with the monthly dues, because that is part of your monthly dues. And you're seeing, you know, you're seeing incredible increases, you know, it's not uncommon for it to double and it's not uncommon from what I'm hearing in other circumstances outside of Telluride within the state of Colorado, for fire insurance alone to go up 10 times and that alone will make it unaffordable for for people we put in these units
1: in this case council member geneva Shawnette supports purchasing the unit and then figuring out what comes next
7: i would based off of this conversation be interested in the town purchasing the unit and holding on to it and perhaps renting it for the long time until we decide what our further plan is going to be with these other units and then at that point maybe we could decide from our menu, of the most extreme being removing the deed restriction, selling on the free market and using those monies or selling to keeping it as is and selling to someone versus changing the tier and selling to a qualified applicant. But um, it doesn't seem like we should be uh, passing up on an opportunity to buy a unit so that we have flexibility, especially one that's problematic for individuals to own in its current
1: The rest of council agreed. The town plans to move forward with purchasing the unit. The Telluride Housing Authority subcommittee will further discuss what the town can do with problematic units at its meeting in January.
0: Buildings emit 45 percent of our region's greenhouse gases. Vehicles emit 23 percent. Our area's climate action plan calls for slashing those emissions, a process that will require the installation of solar panels, charging stations for electric vehicles, electrified heating systems, and so on. Installing that infrastructure in turn takes workers and expertise in the energy field. A partnership between the San Miguel Power Association, EcoAction Partners, and the Telluride Foundation aimed to strengthen our area's energy workforce by funding training opportunities for high schoolers and adults interested in working in the energy field. Folks interested in completing a certificate program or learning a new skill in the energy trade are encouraged to apply. In addition to funding the cost of the training opportunity itself, the grant program has money available to compensate trainees during their training. More information is available about the new program at ecoactionpartners.org energy workforce.
1: Dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay.
0: Oh, dreidel, 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 then dreidel, I shall play.
1: You too can play dreidel this Friday the 15th at the Telluride Arts Hanukkah party. With festive foods, a candle lighting, music from DJ Lowe, and of course, dreidel playing, the Hanukkah gathering is open to all. The party will kick off at 6 p.m. at the Telluride Arts HQ Gallery on Main Street, which all month long is rocking a winter wonderland decor and serving seasonal libations from a pop-up bar. Details are available at telluridearts.org.
0: Dancing, pizza, music, a cash bar, and Nordic skiing come together this weekend with the Norwood Nordic Association's annual fundraiser and bash, Skinny Skis and Fat Tunes. The Nordic Association maintains trails at the Busted Arm Draw and fosters community around Nordic skiing across Wrights Mesa. Memberships go to support their efforts, and your tickets to the dance party of the weekend can too. The Skinny Skis and Fat Tunes fundraiser takes place this Saturday, December 16th at 6 p.m. at the Livery in Norwood. Find out more at NorwoodNordic.com.
1: The policymakers who decide the future of the Colorado River are meeting in Las Vegas this week. KUNC's Alex Hager reports the talks will bring together politicians, tribes, scientists, farmers, and more.
4: After a wet winter helped add some supply to the river, officials say they have more space to try and bring down demand. They're focused on rewriting the guidelines for how the shrinking river is shared. The current set of rules expires in a few years. J.B. Hamby is California's top water negotiator.
5: Now we have an open runway to figure out post-2026 and with a much uh, lower temperature and clearer heads.
4: Delegates from the 30 tribes which use the Colorado River are calling for permanent seats at the table going forward. They've long been excluded from conversations about how the region's water is managed. I'm Alex Hager. A judge in Teton
0: County, Wyoming, heard arguments on Thursday in a case that could determine the future of the state's abortion ban. Regardless of the outcome of the court case, access to abortion remains an issue and neighboring states like Colorado have become destinations for Wyoming patients seeking abortions. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Report for America Corps member Jackie Sedley spoke to Jack Teeter, the Regional Director of Government Affairs at Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains.
6: Colorado has been a primary abortion provider for patients from Wyoming for years. It certainly has increased after the Dobbs Supreme Court decision, which ended the federal protections for abortion access. You know, anytime an abortion provider has to end services, there's a ripple impact across communities. And so I think one thing we're seeing in this world is a contraction and a contraction and a contraction of care. Um, I know that in the last year, PPRM has seen about 300 patients from Wyoming for abortion care in Colorado. And I think those numbers will only increase as people in Wyoming lose additional access.
8: Thinking about the demand and the potential growing demand of individuals coming from states like Wyoming to Colorado for services, how reliable are those services right now in Colorado? And do you see that changing anytime soon or is that pretty stable?
6: Abortion is accessible in Colorado and we're seeing this tremendous increase of patients traveling from all over the country. And so we've been doing everything we can to expand access to services. So that means Hiring more providers it means being open additional hours to try to keep those wait times down. And the reality is abortion is illegal in half the country, including in many of our neighboring states. And so there are thousands of patients driving hundreds of miles to Colorado to access the health care that they need. I mean, a woman in Texas who was diagnosed with a fatal fetal condition that was dangerously impacting her own health was denied the ability to access abortion care by the Texas Supreme Court and had to leave the state, right? Right. The majority of people who have abortions are already parents, so people have to find childcare, they have to drive with their kiddos in the back seat, they pack a suitcase, they get time off work, they're afraid to tell their boss why they need the day off, right? These are people who have never been to an airport before, even to pick somebody up who might be expected to get on an airplane and fly to a state where they've never been to access healthcare, and they're willing to face jail time and fines to cross state lines. That's how important access to abortion care is, and so we are seeing literally thousands of people coming to Colorado to access care over this last year.
8: Are there any other key states that you're seeing folks come from to Colorado specifically for abortion access?
6: Yeah, the top state that we see patients traveling from both because of proximity and like population size is Texas. So Texas is definitely the number one state. And even just thinking about the size of Texas, right, there are patients who drive almost a thousand miles just from one end of Texas to the other on their way to access healthcare in New Mexico or Colorado.
8: We're just on the cusp of winter here. Have you heard any stories about the impacts of weather conditions on individuals travels to Colorado for an abortion?
6: Patients that are traveling from Wyoming on I25, sometimes you travel from Laramie to Fort Collins on I25 and it's a an easy drive, it's sunny, no big deal. Sometimes that road is closed because of whiteouts because there's really high winds and there's snow blowing. And so I think as we think of patients traveling from Wyoming, but also patients traveling from Texas, right, who might not know how to drive in snow and you come over the pass, Albuquerque and it's snowing, patients are traveling hundreds of miles and sometimes that journey is just long and arduous and sometimes that journey can be really, really difficult for folks and sometimes the roads are closed and sometimes there's a blizzard. And so I think this time of year, especially thinking about that impact feels really important too. Sometimes we even see cases where there's a blizzard and providers can't get into the office for the day. I think a lot about patients who are traveling from Texas who have never driven in and maybe never seen snow who come to Colorado to access abortion care and are coming in on, you know, for, like 40, right? Coming in on smaller roads and trying to drive in snow and the impact that that can have. Or the impact that it could have if your flight was canceled because of weather and you only were able to get the one day off of work and you're sitting in an airport and you can't make a connection. Especially when we think about the fact that most of our patients are already parents, right? People are traveling with kids. The impact of traveling for abortion care is not so simple as like, oh, well, they'll just travel, right? Well, they'll just just go somewhere else, right? Those journeys can be really, really arduous, and people are willing to undertake them because they need care that badly.
8: Is there any information specifically that you'd like to give a listener, whether they're from Colorado, Wyoming, Texas, or anywhere else across the country, about getting in touch with Planned Parenthood here?
6: Certainly, patients can call Planned Parenthood for an appointment. They can also go on ineedana.com, which has information about all abortion providers in an area, including telemedicine providers, and patients can put in you know, how long it's been since their last period, how old they are, and find a provider that might be appropriate for them. And we passed a lot of really important laws this legislative session in Colorado to protect and expand access to abortion care. And so those laws say that Colorado will not participate in any out-of-state investigations into patients or providers. We won't issue search warrants. We won't issue a court summons. We will not help states like Texas come after people for receiving care. So in Colorado, we said, if you need an abortion, you can access one and we will not help states come after you. And we know that even for patients who live in states where abortion remains completely legal, there are barriers to access, right? Even here in Colorado, We have a terrible discriminatory ban on insurance coverage for abortion care for public servants like teachers and firefighters and for people insured through Medicaid. So there's still work to do here, even as we are this safe haven for states all around us.
1: The National Weather Service forecast for the Western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low in the mid-teens. Friday calls for sun with a high in the mid-30s, followed by a clear night with a low around 20. Saturday should be mostly sunny with a high around 45 degrees, followed by a partly cloudy night with a low around 25. This has been the news for Thursday, December 14th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.